Hello everyone, welcome to the first of our two Rise and Build Sundays. This is our opportunity across the whole of Alive to invest in a great vision. Many years ago, I remember a senior pastor saying, if someone gave me a million pounds today, I would know exactly what to do with it. It was a real challenge to me in those days because we didn't have a large vision. But I can honestly say today that if a huge investment is given into our church, we would know what to do because we've so many things we could invest in and we love to see so many people find Jesus Christ as their saviour and friend. I want to really thank every one of you for your investment over the past year. You've been so faithful. We've been able to do so many things and your location pastors will be able to practically share all the things that have been achieved throughout the year. But why do we each year continue with Rise and Build? It's very simple really. We want to honour God and we want to do things incredibly well. You know, in days in the scripture of renewal and restoration, there was always an accompanying building of temples and cathedrals. And we believe that because God has given us here at Alive such a great vision, we want to invest in that. I really hope that over these two Sundays, you catch a vision of what we could do together to see the kingdom of God expanded. God bless you and thank you for your faithfulness. So thank you very much, Stuart, for that. So Rise and Build Sunday, as um, Lucy mentioned, it's uh, we've got two Sundays, so there's this week and next week Sunday. And this week really is about introducing Rise and Build. And next week, Sunday, is when we actually look at what we can give, what we can do as a location. So I'm just, what I'm going to do is just quickly go through the booklet with you and then um, talk a little bit more about Rise and Build. So the booklet really, what it does is sets our vision as a church for um, Rise and Build what we want to see right across alive. So the vision is about people giving generously with the spirit of faith in worship of God, building and maintaining excellent facilities for the glory of God, reaching and equipping people to have an influence in our towns, cities, nation, and the world. So that really sets the... Um, the framework within which we do Rise and Build. So the next page really talks to you about, it's a letter from um, our senior pastor, Stuart and Irene, which again gives you a bit more background to Rise and Build, and also what we're teaching this year and what we want to discover, which is around vision, which is around renewal um, um, in terms of Rise and Build. So the next page, which is 2019, shows you what we um, did in 2019 through your very, very generous giving to Rise and Build. And this looks at all of the Alive locations where we had seven locations then, but obviously we're going to be eight from September. 
but you've still got seven in there. So it just sets out the things that we were able to do last year. In Wyndham particularly, we were able to get um, new PA and equipment for our media team. Sorry? Yes, yeah, exactly. It's just told me, yeah. It's this fancy, wheezy thing you can see here. Um, so that's one of the things that we got um, last year. Now, for 2020, um, I will talk firstly about Wyndham. So for Wyndham, the Leadership Forum met uh, to look at the need uh, of this location, and we set a budget of 3000 500 because what we also try to think about is the size of the locations but when you look at the other locations because they're slightly bigger than Wyndham so they have a bigger need in terms of what they want to do with the building and the maintenance and the different equipment that they will need so that page really sets out what the target is and then um, the next page talks about the project plan. So what is it we want to do with the financial targets that each of the locations have set? So for Wyndham in here, um, we're looking at a PA mixing desk and equipment for the back to make sure that the, the, the vocals, the sound that we get, the recording is all of high quality. Uh, Wyndham minibus expenses. Now, this is really, really important because we've never had a minibus before, I don't think. Unless I'm complete. Yeah, but we haven't had one previously, though, have we? No. So, we have a minibus now, which, um, courtesy of Ian, um, and that is a minibus that we use to ferry the young people to different places. It took some of the congregation to Lincoln um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really, I mean, it was really beneficial. So what we've decided as a location is actually to use the minibus for Wyndham. So if we need to go to Lincoln as a location, and um, people haven't got um, their own vehicles, then that minibus will be there for us to use. Um, we've got something called Wyndham Toddling, which is for toddlers, um, which we're looking to set up. They are already exi in existing in different locations, but for Wyndham, this will be the first time that we actually do this. Um, so those are the three things that we're looking to do as a location. But when you look at the other locations, they're doing, obviously, slightly bigger things because some of them own their own buildings. And on the last page of the booklet is actually talking about our commitment as a body, not just in terms of a location or individuals, but as a live church, what we're committing to do. So what we're going to do next week, Sunday, Lucy's going to do the second um, week of Rise and Build, and we'll be going into more detail in terms of the finances and how you can actually give to rise and build. But I think what I'll probably say is it's important to pray um, on an ind individual basis about what you give to rise and build. Don't just pull a figure from your head and just give it. Because when you give to God's word, you're giving, you're sowing a seed and you're expecting to reap and harvest from that seed that you're sowing. So I just want to encourage you to, to pray during this week about what you're going to do towards rise and build 
for next week, Sunday. So this is the first week of Rise and Build, as I said earlier on. And really, Rise and Build is about how we um, fund uh, the things that we need in terms of infrastructure, in terms of equipment as a location. Um, In the Old Testament, when you look at the temple, that was the main focus of Christians um, in the Old Testament, as in the temple, as in the physical body. It was, that was where they had their prayer, where they had their worship, where they did the sacrifice, where they, they met together as a community. And that was where they educated one another in the things of God. And that's where they also cared for each other. Now, through the scriptures, you will see the temple, uh, which we call a church, now described in different ways. So it's been called the temple of the Lord, uh, the, the holy temple, the holy house, the house of God, house of the Lord, Father's house. There's actually a church called Father's house. House of the God of Jacob, house of my glory, house of prayer, house of sacrifice, holy and beautiful house and a sanctuary. And I just want to talk about house of prayer because in the book of Matthew 21 verse 12, now this scenario is when Jesus had come in on a donkey and he went to the temple and he got there and they had all the money changers there and doing all the different trades. And Jesus walks in there and he actually chase them all out. And what he said was, my house will be a house of prayer. That was what he called the temple, a house of prayer. So though Jesus made it clear that God's priority was people, not property, early believers in Jesus in the temple courts. I think this is dipping in and out a bit, is it? Yeah. Okay, so as um, a body of believers, we are really grateful that we have somewhere to meet. Um, Where we meet is not the body of Christ, but it is a structural building where we can come together and praise God and worship and fellowship. And it makes me think about places like China. I don't know whether you read about uh, different countries, but places like China, they're not actually allowed to worship together like we do. Um, There are churches in China where they have to put up photos of the Chinese president instead of anything to do with Jesus. But we have the freedom here to actually worship. We have the freedom to be able to call where we meet uh, the house of prayer. We have the freedom to call it a holy place. We have a freedom to call it the Father's house. And that is something that we should be grateful to God for. In um, the olden days, in the days when they call it the days of vision, things were built for God's glory, to give glory to God. Um, And I just want to take you back to Solomon when he built the temple. Now, the temple took Solomon seven years to build. 
and it is described as the most magnificent. In fact, I don't think there's been anything built to that standard, even to our days. Um, the amount of gold he used, the amount of oak he used, the amount of really expensive materials he used to build that temple. And he was building it because his vision really was to display God's glory and God's magnificent. And the temple was so amazing that you had the Queen of Sheba who came to see Solomon. She came to see Solomon. She had heard about what he was doing. She had heard about his wisdom, and she came to see this temple. And when you read in, in that story in Kings, Solomon actually got sent um, materials by other kings to support what he was doing in building this temple for God. Zerubbabel was another one in the book of Ezra 3. Um, so Zerubbabel and his brethren built the house of God, the temple of God, with one purpose in mind. So Solomon was going to display God's glory and magnificent. But Zerubbabel built it with one purpose in mind, as a place to offer burnt offerings to God. That was his purpose. And when you look at verse 11, in Ezra 3, it says they sang together in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercies endures forever towards Israel. So we've looked at two different visions for building God's temple. Solomon was building to display God's glory. Ezra was rebuilding to ensure there was a place to offer bond offerings to God. In our time, when we are rebuilding the church, when we're making sure we have the infrastructure that we need as a local church, yes, we want to display God's glory, but we want to have a place where we can come and offer our sacrifices of praise. We don't offer burnt offerings anymore. We don't have to kill a lamb to, to offer a sacrifice to God, but we are the vessels through which we can offer that sacrifice to God. And that is one of the reasons why we have Rise and Build. So we can have the right places, we can have sufficient space, we can have the equipment that we need as a body to come together and offer our sacrifices of praise to God. You were part of the worship this morning with our amazing worship leaders. These are the sorts of things that we would do with Rise and Build so that we can have what we need to be able to praise God. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to, I'm sure most of you have been, to um, Norwich Cathedral. Um, cathedrals, I, they don't build them anymore, but when they were built, they were built to be magnificent because they were viewed as God's house. They were viewed as God's habitation. And I looked at um, Norwich Cathedral specifically, because I've actually been there a few times. I'm sure most of you have. But the first time I walked into Norwich Cathedral, I walked in there, and I was just struck that somebody somewhere sat and had this vision about how to construct this building, <laughs> that every single detail that went into that building. And I actually went to look at how long it took to build it. It took 49 years to complete the building of Norwich Cathedral. 
But can you begin to imagine the dedication, the time, the money that was spent to build what we see now that we marvel at? It was actually completed in 1145. And that building is still standing. And it is a place where people go every Sunday to praise God. It is a place when you walk into it. I don't know if you've ever been, but when I went in and I walked in, I was just struck that God is an awesome God. I was just struck by his magnificence. When I looked at that building, yeah, it is bricks and mortar, but there is something about it that reaches out to you that says people spend time actually carefully putting this together to bring honor to God's name. I don't know if you've ever been to Salisbury Cathedral. Salisbury Cathedral, if you just to remind you, that's when those Russians, remember when they had the spy thing, and they said they were tourists and they went to look at Salisbury Cathedral because it's very well known as a tourist attraction. But the people who built it didn't build it as a tourist attraction. They built it as a, in, in homage to God. They built it as a house of God. They built it with time, dedication, and love as a house where people could come and worship God. Now, Salisbury Cathedral was completed in 38 years. They started building in 1220, and they completed it in 1258. Now, those buildings, the people who built it had a vision. They didn't just one day walk in there and decide we're going to build a cathedral. Because every detail, when you look at it, it is workmanship. When you look at it, it tells you of time. When you look at it, it tells you of people with a vision who wanted to send a particular message about God, who wanted to tell the next generation about his magnificence. So those were the days of vision. We still have vision now, but we are now in the days of renewal, where things are restored and repaired for God's glory. Um, we have um, different parts of uh, this, the, this nation where we have war memorials. War memorials were built to remember those who lost their lives in the war. But it wasn't just about actually remembering them. It was actually making sure, yes, we remember those who have gone, but it's actually also sending a message to the next generation so that they never forget the price that was paid. They never forget the lives that were lost. And those war memorials, every year we go there, we renew what happened, we, 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 we sent that message again to the next generation. And I'm particularly grateful that we do that because, yes, the war never actually reached the whole of Africa, but if the people who fought in Europe didn't do it, there probably will be no Africa today. So I, people in Africa are grateful as well because of what was done and what we continue to do each year to remind people and remind the next generation. And we're just going to look at two examples from the Old Testament. Joash, which is Second Kings 
um, chapter 12. Now, this talks about Joash, that during his reign, he took responsibility for the upkeep of God's house. And verse 2 talks about when kings do what was right in in the eyes of the Lord, God's house became important. I think Solomon was probably a massive example in that. Yes, maybe towards the end of his life, he went a bit awry, but before that point, he did what was right. He had a heart for God, and God blessed him magnificently. God blessed him. He asked God for wisdom, and he got the wisdom because he had the right heart. He did what was wrong, right. He was pursuing God with everything that he had. His vision was to build this temple, to honor God. His vision was to make it the most beautiful thing that anybody had ever seen. But we're now in a day or spiritual decline, where things are in a state of disrepair. You have churches that are being closed down. I was talking to somebody, I can't remember who it was now, a couple of weeks ago, who was saying to me that they went to a church service and there were six people and the people thought it was a magnificent service. That is the spiritual state that we're in when you have six people in a church service. When the Bible says, go out into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. But we had six people in a church service, and they said it was wonderful. Churches have been converted into executive homes. A few years ago, when we were looking for somewhere to buy, we actually viewed a number of churches that had been converted into homes for people because no one actually goes to church. No one was interested in renewing those buildings. No one was interested in reviving uh, 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 the, the spirit of God in those areas. So those churches have been converted into homes. They used to be places of worship at one point. They used to be. And when you talk to those areas or those priests or vicars where the churches have closed down, they will say to you, people stop coming so we couldn't afford the upkeep of the church. And it makes me wonder, where did those people go who stopped coming? And what happens when the churches become homes? Where in that neighborhood can people get together to worship? Where in that neighborhood can they call the house of God? Where in that neighborhood can they call the house of prayer? Where in that neighborhood can they call my father's house? Josiah is another example to look at in 2 Kings 22. He says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or the left. And in verse 8 of that same 2 Kings 22, it says that they discover the book of the law in the temple. This was when they were doing the restoration work. And what Josiah did with that book when it was discovered, that he used it to actually restore the covenant relationship with, between God, him, and the people. Because what he did was he read what was in that law 
And in, what he said in there was actually what God was going to do um, to people who were turned away from him. And he realized that that was the state they were in, spiritual decline. And what he did was he called the people together, and in front of them he made a new covenant with God that they will serve him, they will turn their lives around, and they will come back into that covenant relationship with him. And when you read in ch- um, chapter 23, verse 2, he says that the people stood with Josiah and came back into a covenant relationship with God. In Second Kings 22 verse 7, they were working to renew the church, to repair damage within the temple. But what was significant there as well, it says that they brought money into the house of God and it was used to buy materials to repair the house of God. The Bible says they dealt faithfully with the money that was brought into God's house. We had partnership evening last week and one of the key areas there was around finances. In fact, we spent more time, or uh, Matthew spent quite a long time talking about the finances and going into every detail. And that is not just um, a fluke. It's not um, uh, just by chance. What we're trying to do is actually open up to you what happens within the church when you give, where every single penny goes. That is what that section was actually trying to do. And Lucy said again this morning that if anybody wants to see the slides again and you want to review it in your own time, then it is on the website for you to look at. Because to build God's house, to restore God's house, we need to do it together. We need to do it as a location. We need to do it as a body of Christ. When you read through the Old Testament, where the kings moved away from God and they did evil in God's eyes, their end was never very good. Um, It ended up that the Israelites got carried up into Babylon because the last king there did evil in God's eyes. And his kingdom was raided, all the gold, everything that God had blessed him with, got taken into captivity. He got taken into captivity. The people got taken into captivity. But we are in a time of renewal. I was really heartened when I read about what the Egyptian government's been doing. I don't know if you're aware, but Egypt is a majority Muslim nation, but it has um, a sizable Christian minority. And the Egyptian government has been issuing licenses for more churches to be built and restored. In December 2017, um, this is when they started doing this, in January it was reported that Egypt is rebuilding its churches, making slow but significant progress towards reform. These comments were made by the Prime Minister and President of Egypt. As of April 2019, 100 of 
111 churches and church-affiliated buildings have been legalized, bringing the total to date to 894. Now, most of those buildings are not actually new buildings. They're old churches that have been left to ruin. And what the government is doing is actually allowing them to go and renew those buildings and once again be able to use them as house places where people get together to praise God. Isn't that amazing if God can open the eyes of a Muslim president to actually change. And he didn't just say that because, you see, the law that he was reversing was actually put in place in the Ottoman era. So he's actually changed the law to allow Christians to renew churches so that they can once again worship God in those churches. When I read that, it just made me think that actually there is a purpose to what we do when we talk about rise and build. Yes, we don't have the restrictions in this country like the Christians would have in Egypt, but sometimes the restrictions are in our own minds about how we actually go with that vision, how we sign up to renew what we, what we, the places where we meet God to ensure that we have the equipment to praise him, to ensure that we as individuals contribute to God's house. Vision is about where we're going. Because the Bible does say, without vision, my people perish. And that is why the very first page here on Rise and Build leaflet, it says vision. That is what this is trying to do, to share that vision with you. For you to pray and see what your place is in actually making that vision a reality. Vision is always connected to making better, improving, or renewing and moving to the next stage. R&B, rise and build, not music, <laughs> is about, I wrote that and I just thought to myself, oh, okay. <laughs> so R&B is about how we improve the physical infrastructure of the church. Like I said, next week, Lucy will be talking a bit more in detail about that. But when we allow our hearts to connect with this vision here, three things that we will see happen in our midst would be the giving of offerings. I had a breakthrough years and years ago in my head about giving and offering. Because sometimes when you, you give a Christian, there's a mistake of thinking you're giving to a person or you're giving to the church. In the Old Testament, when they brought their um, sacrifices, or their offering, burnt offering, they weren't giving it to the priest. They were not giving it to a, a group. They were offering it up to God. So when you're thinking about what you give into Rise and Build, how you connect with Rise and Build, think about what you are offering up to God. Second Kings um, 12, verses 4 to 5. This is Joash again. So they collected money 
in the census, which was a temple tax initiated by Moses. We don't have a temple tax. Thank God we have tax that the government levies on people, but we don't have a temple tax in church. Um, Money received from personal vows. Yes, we do that because we all make a decision in our own hearts what we're going to give to God. Money brought voluntarily. Um, something from hearts responding to God's will. That is all within our gift, to pray and seek God's face about what we will give. Um, my sister in the, in the church uh, a, a year ago, she was really desperate for a car, just a small car, because um, they had a big one, but she wanted just a small one. And you might think to yourself, well, they've got one car, why does she need a, another one? But it was more to reduce the cost of petrol. And I remember she prayed about it, and she's quite very um, uh, strong in terms of giving. And she prayed about it, the Lord, I need a small car. And one day she, they went to church, and this chap walked up to her, and they were just having a conversation. And she said to the chap, oh, I'm actually praying at the moment about a small car runaround that I can use. And the bloke said, oh, pray no more. I've got just a thing. And he gave her a car. He gave her a car. And when he gave it to her, she said to me, that is God giving back to her when she needed something. Because sometimes when we give... It might not necessarily be given back to you in monetary terms, but you have needs in different areas of your life. So when you give or you're thinking about giving, give to God with purpose. Give it with a vision in your mind that you're giving, and this you, you have a vision in your head. This is what you're giving to. This is what you're believing God for yourself in your own life. I don't know if you, if you buy stocks and shares, those of you who do, you don't just buy shares, do you? You don't just go to the stock exchange or whoever and buy shares, but you just buy for buying sake. You're buying it because you're expecting a return. You're buying it because you have a vision about what actually in five, ten years' time, this is where you want to be. That is what you're doing when you're investing in stocks and shares. So when we're investing in God's work, why don't we have a vision and think, actually, Lord, I'm giving into this buying into the vision of the church and I thank you that in my life my vision that I have for my own life that you will be concerned about it good administration that is important in terms of what we do as a church second kings 12 verse 6 This talks about the slow progress (laughs) that they were making. In fact, in 23 years, the repairs had not been done to God's house. 23 years. They talked about it, but nothing had actually happened. But we are actually blessed that we have good administrative systems. We have a good administrator who's not here today, Melanie. And she's an effective administration, administrator, and she will get even more effective the more she's in a role. But we have all the systems in place to make sure that things get done. We have all the systems in place to make sure that there is somebody who is actually looking at the budgets, who is reviewing it, who is timetabling everything that we need to get done as a local body and as a wider church. So the priorities that I was reading out about Wyndham, 
those will be timetabled so that when people give to it and we have the resources to make them happen, they would happen in a way that you will see it so you can see where the Rise and Build is going to. Willingness to work, verses 11 and 12 of Second Kings talks about people bringing their skills as carpenters, builders, masons to repair God's work. We have a real opportunity to keep God's work alive through our giving and making use of our skills and experience. I don't know what your experience is, what area you have skills, but I am sure there is something within this local body that your skills can be made use of. Think about it. Whatever skills you have, they're not useless. That is part of your offering, your monetary financial offering, but your skills and experience is required in God's house to build it. The Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. We are building together with Christ. It is not a life in Lincoln building. It is all of us as part of the body of Christ building. And as I close this morning, I just want to encourage us to think and seek God about how you contribute to what is being done locally and within the wider body. We're going to pray for administration and finances. And we're also going to pray for stewarding what God has given to us. Because we all have choices to make, don't we? about life. We have choices to make about our relationship with God. We have choices to make about what we give or what we can give. So if the worship band would come up, please. And I'm just going to pray for the stewardship of what God has given us as individual and what he gives to us as body, for how we administer it and what we do with the finances which is already in here. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, Father God, for Rise and Build. We thank you for the vision when Rise and Build started. And we thank you for this year, Lord, that we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts as individuals about what we give into your work that you help us to give with purpose, that you help us to give with expectation, that you help us to give knowing that you have said that you will throw open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing, that our cups will run over. And Lord, we just thank you for the administration of everything that is given 
to the local body and to the wider body. We thank you for people who would have the right timelines, Lord, to ensure that things happen when they need to happen. And we just thank you, Father God, for every single person in this congregation who needs a job, who needs an increase in their own personal income. That I just want to pray this morning that Holy Spirit, that every penny they give will be returned a hundredfold according to your word, Father. That I just thank you that you help us to see our giving as a sacrificial offering to you, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.